lights, please? And there were in the same country shepherds, abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them. And the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not. For behold, I bring you tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. How many of you have seen that movie before? Such a classic. We watch that, we watch that every year. Maybe you didn't realize that Linus was actually quoting scripture. That's out of Luke chapter 2, verses 8 to 15. So today, what I want to talk to you about is I want to talk to you about the sign that the angels told the shepherds to look for. They told the shepherds, you will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. Signs are everywhere. Everywhere we look, there are signs. Signs give us information. They point to important things. They make us aware of potential dangers. They let us know where we are. They also let us know where we're going. We've got traffic signs, street signs, advertising signs, and sometimes just strange signs like some of these. Beware of falling snakes. I think, like, listen, I would want to know if there was falling snakes. I'm not generally afraid of snakes, but that's just a good sign. I don't know why they're falling. They usually crawl on the ground. Go to the next slide. There's just a lot. There's there's really a lot to wrap your mind around that sign. So if you are in a wheelchair, don't go down the hill because there's crocodiles or alligators down there. Just, Just good information to have. Go to the next slide. This is for the dads, 100%. This is a zoo sign for all the dads that want their kids to get as, you know, look at, look at this, the big teeth on this thing. Dads, don't do that. Go to that last, the next slide. We don't know what will end in tears, but it's just going to end in tears. Strange signs. We've also got signs in nature. Signs that tell us what's going to happen. Let me know if, if you've heard this. Red sky in the morning. Sailor's. sailor's warning, right? It means that there's going to be bad weather. Red sky at night. Sailor's delight. delight. It means that the next day is you're going to have good weather. Or how, how about this? When the leaves begin to turn color, it's a sign that fall and winter are coming. Fun fact. Do you know why leaves turn color? I always growing up, so grew up northern Canada, I always thought it's because the weather started to turn cold and it would frost and then the leaves didn't like the cold so they turned color and they died. That's not actually why they turn color. It's because the days are starting to get shorter and they get less sunlight. So the less sunlight they get, they begin to turn color and die. So it doesn't really have anything to do with the cold weather. Because if you notice, we, we have some trees that their leaves turn color and they, the leaves fall, but we don't really get you know, too much cold weather. It's the lack of sunlight. In the Bible story, we've got the magi or the wise men who followed a star. It was a sign in the heavens that that the Messiah, the King of the Jews, was born. And they followed that star for some believe two to three years until they 
found their way to Jesus. Sometimes in life, we look for signs to help us make decisions. Let me know if anybody's used this one. If I'm supposed to ask her to marry me, give me a sign. <laughs> or or may, maybe, you've, maybe you've used this one. If I'm supposed to take this job, or if I'm supposed to quit, quit my job and look for another job, then I want to see, and lots of times we'll say, okay, this is the sign that I want to see, like fill in the blank. We'll ask for something specific, because we're looking for a sign to guide us and help us to navigate life. One time when Renee was, a, was in elementary school, she was a little girl, Renee's dad is a, was, is, a, is a pastor, and he was looking at, at his ministry life, and he was feeling like there was a change and there was a transition coming, and so he was seeking God, asking him, like, what's next for me in ministry? And so he took some time, and he went out into, into a wooded area, and he was spending some time with the Lord. He loved nature, and he was praying, saying, God, what do you have for me? What's next? And then on the ground, he saw this really strange, these birds that were acting like oddly. And so he looked down on the ground and on one side there were four birds kind of in a line and they were facing one bird. And that one bird was facing back and they they weren't moving, they weren't like, you know, around the ground, they were just standing there and not moving and he knew like that God was speaking to him through this sign. He just didn't know what God was saying. He didn't understand the sign. But it wasn't long after that day in the in the woods that he was called by a church to interview. And when he walked into the room for the interview at that church, he walked into the room and there was four people standing in a row staring at him as he walked into the room and he was on the other side of the room looking back at them and it suddenly clicked with him. It was, was the exact same thing that he saw with the birds in the forest that day. See, God had given him an advance sign so that when he got there, he would know that this was an opportunity brought to him from the Lord. There are times when we don't fully understand the signs that we're seeing because we don't have context. For example, a couple of years ago, I was sitting uh, with my daughter Faith in the Children's Hospital Emergency Department. We were in an examination room and we were just waiting for doctors and nurses and, you know, to, to, to come in. And we were sitting there and there was a sign taped to the wall that said, please follow Don Doff procedures. And for the longest time, we sat there and it was like... Who's Don and who's Doff? And why are we following them? And we, we had no idea what, like what was being communicated to us. But several hours later, what we realized was Don means to put on and Doff means to take off. It was a sign to the, to the doctors and the nurses for them to remember to put on their personal protective equipment as they came into a patient's room and then to take it off before they left the patient's room. But we didn't have the information or context to understand the sign that we were reading. So when we read this passage out of Luke chapter 2, we can understand the sign. This is the sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger. The Passion Translation of this verse actually calls it a miraculous sign. But I, I think, if I'm honest, it seems more like a strange sign than a miraculous sign. If I saw a baby who was wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger where animals eat, I wouldn't go, whoa, miraculous sign. I'd be like, can we call Child Protective Services? This is strange. But we have, we've got some missing information. We're not understanding the context of the shepherds. See, historians and archaeologists tell us 
that the population of Bethlehem, where this scene takes place at the time that Jesus was born, was somewhere between 300 and 500 people. Like, we're not talking a ton of people. We also know that at the very beginning of Luke chapter 2, it says that there was a census called and everybody was required to go to their hometown where their family was from and register for the census because the Roman government wanted to make sure they knew how many people were there so they could collect the appropriate amount of taxes. So everyone like, that was from Bethlehem, their family is from Bethlehem, they poured into that town. And it was full of people. We know it was full of people because the Bible says that there was no room, there was no place for Mary and Joseph to stay when they got there. And so if we take the population on the high end of the estimate of 500 people and say we triple it, right, to account for everybody pouring into Bethlehem on, at, at that time, you've only got 1,500 people that were in Bethlehem. Was the sign really necessary to help the shepherds find the baby? I mean, like, literally, how many babies could have possibly born at, were born that night in a total population of 1,500 people? We're not talking 1,500 pregnant women, right? This 1,500 total people. You've got children, you've got men, you've got women who are not married. Then you've got married men and women, women who are not pregnant. You have to have married woman who is pregnant at full term, ready to give birth. In 1,500 people, I'm pretty sure the shepherds could have found baby Jesus without the sign. Renee told us last week as she, as she taught that of all the prophecies and the prophetic words that we find in the Old Testament about Jesus, we know where he was going to be born. There's all these incredible prophecies that Jesus fulfilled. But do you know that there is no prophecy saying that he would be laying in a manger wrapped in swaddling clothes? Right? That's what makes this a sign and not a fulfillment of prophecy. It wasn't foretold that that's what the shepherds would find. It makes this a sign. See, the shepherds would have known where the Messiah, where the Savior was going to be born. Because in the Old Testament, in the book of Micah, chapter 5 and verse 2, it says this, But you, Bethlehem, from you will come the leader who will shepherd rule Israel. See, they knew that the Messiah, the Savior, was going to be born in Bethlehem, come from Bethlehem. The angels told them when. The angels showed up, sky full of angels telling them that the Savior had been born, the Messiah had been born. So they know where and they know when. The sign wasn't necessarily needed for them to find Jesus, but it identified exactly who they were talking about. The sign was more than just telling them who. It was telling them why. Why was he here? See, this is where context becomes very important as we read the story. And we don't have proper context naturally because it's, we're removed 2,000 years from this story. And we live on the other side of the planet. We don't have the same context and the same understanding. So let's talk a little bit about history of this moment. The Old Testament details for us the process that Jewish people had to go through in order to, to receive forgiveness from sin in their lives. Now, when the Bible talks about sin, when I, when I say sin, what it means is every time that we fall short of what God asks us or of what God requires of us. See, God is sinless. God is perfect. God is holy. And for people to have relationship with him, they need to be the same, perfect holy and sinless now we know we mess up all the time right 
we, we get angry, we yell. Some, sometimes, some of us are mean. We're, we, we're, you know, slide in and out of mean person, nice person. We lie, we deceive, we tell half-truths, we're selfish, we're dishonoring, we don't always love everyone all the time. And like this is just a few of the ways that we, we all fall short in these ways. This is not even counting like the things that we would look at and we would be like, that, that's truly horrible, right? Theft, murder, right? Cheating on your spouse. Like those are things where like, okay, yeah, like not everybody does those things. But like, you know, the lying, the deceiving, telling a half truth, being selfish. We all struggle with those things. So we all fall short. God told the Israelites that if they brought a lamb, a little baby sheep, before him, that the blood of that lamb would cover all of their mistakes. It would cover all of their sin. But that lamb had to be perfect. It couldn't just be any lamb. Like, it had to be spotless. It had to ha not have any illnesses, not have any diseases, not have any defects. It couldn't, you know, like, the, sh like they, they, the people couldn't look at their flock and be like, well, that that lamb is lame, like one of its legs is broken, so we'll sacrifice that one. No, no, it had to be absolutely perfect. And that if they, they brought this, this perfect lamb, and they killed the lamb, and they, they would literally cut its throat and let the blood run out, that it would cover their sins. This animal sacrifice really was, was a band-aid. It wasn't a solution. See, because the, the blood of animals cannot make us clean. It cannot make us sinless or perfect or righteous or holy, but it, 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 it covers, it just covers those things. To truly take away a person's sin requires the blood of a perfect person. We've already talked about there's no perfect people. The practice of sacrificing lambs was really, as we read about it in the Old Testament, it was another sign that was pointing to something else. God established this and told them what to do, and they were focused on, on what they were doing, and they missed the sign that it was pointing to. See, it was pointing to Jesus. It was pointing to the Savior, the Messiah that is prophesied about hundreds of times throughout the Old Testament. God was telling them that one, it was coming. There was someone coming from him that would rescue them, that wouldn't just cover up their sin and mistakes, but would take, their, take it all away. They didn't fully understand the sign. At the time that Jesus was born, Israel was occupied by Rome. They had been conquered in battle about 60 years before Jesus was born. And the Romans implemented their rule, implement, implemented their taxation on the Jewish people. So they were, they were not a free people. They were captive in their own land. And the Romans made life very difficult for all of the Jewish people. And they, they longed for freedom. The taxation was difficult. It was not, not a good time for this, for this people. And when you read through the, the books of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the first four books of the New Testament, what you see is this, this common misunderstanding that the people thought that the Messiah was coming to deliver them from Rome. That he was coming as a military and a political leader. And that he would, set the, 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 he would set the Jewish people free, the Israelite people free from the rule of Rome. And he, that's what he was going to do. He was going to overthrow the Roman authority. They were looking for this political ruler to establish a, an Israelite kingdom on the earth. 
But Jesus was coming for something much greater than a natural kingdom. Jesus was coming to remove the sin and the errors and the failures of their life. He was coming to establish a spiritual and an eternal kingdom. He was coming to make a way for people to get back to God. Because we're separated from him because of all of our mistakes and from all of our sin. Jesus was coming to deal with that problem. When we read, reading through the, the Christmas story, I like to do it every year. I'll, I'll, I'll read through the, the bits and pieces from the different books of the Bible. But have you ever wondered about the shepherds? Like, why did the angels, why did God pick the shepherds? And out of all the shepherds, why those shepherds? Have you ever wondered about them? Maybe you thought, well, I mean, it's an agricultural society. Like most people in Israel at the time were probably farmers, or they, they probably had cattle. So shepherds, seems kind of natural. They're, they're out in their fields. They're keeping watch over their flocks to make sure that, you know, that, that wolves or, or lions or bears, that they, they, don't, they don't steal the sheep. So they're awake in the middle of the night. Seems obvious, an obvious choice. See, but the thing is that these were not just regular, common, everyday shepherds. See, there's a set of Jewish historical documents, and I'll probably, if, if you speak the language, I'm sorry, I'm probably going to butcher this, but it's called the Mishnah, which, which recorded the, or, the oral religious traditions of the time that Jesus was born. And in these documents, it forbids the keeping of flocks in Israel anywhere except the wilderness, with one exception. There was one exception to this, that the flocks that were to be used in, in, in temple service, so the sacrificing of those lambs, they were the only flocks that were per permitted outside of the wilderness. Bethlehem is, is literally like a five-mile walk from Jerusalem where the, temple, where the temple was at that time. That's where they did all the animal sacrifice was in, was in Jerusalem. Bethlehem's only a five-mile five walk. So it's safe to say that these sheep, they're not just regular sheep. These aren't just regular shepherds. These sheep were being raised to be used exclusively as animal sacrifice in the temple because the, the fields were surrounding Bethlehem, and Bethlehem is not in the wilderness. These shepherds were raising lambs to be used as sacrifices. And according to Jewish law, Old Testament law, only priests could participate in temple work. These weren't just shepherds. These were priests that were shepherding sacrificial lambs. See, the angels suddenly show up in the middle of the night, terrifying the shepherds, and announces to these shepherd priests that the Messiah has been born. And he says to them, do not be afraid. I've got great news of great joy that's going to be for all people. The one that you've been waiting for. Centuries. They have prayed and they have waited for centuries for Jesus to arrive. The one you've been waiting for has been born. He's here. And this is the miraculous sign that you will see. That will tell you who. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. See, we know. We understand that the sign points to Jesus. But there's more to the sign than just simply pointing to Jesus. It's like this sign on the screen. Go to the next slide for me. I see that sign. I know I should use another door. Right? It's, it's, it's obvious. Don't go out that door. Go out another door. But why? It leaves me with so many questions. Go to the next slide. Because if you use that door, the goose will attack you. 
If you've never encountered a Canadian goose, they are the most rude Canadians you will ever meet. They are not friendly. True story. A Canadian goose once attacked my daughter Faith. We were on a bike ride through a park and there was a lot of Canadian geese and um, they're, they're bold. And this one goose started to approach Faith and she's riding her bike and she was maybe like six or seven years old. And it starts to approach Faith. Faith is on her bike. She, she, she screams. She throws her bike down and she runs away down the trail screaming and running and crying because of the goose. And the goose started following her. In general, Canadians are nice people. Canadian geese, not nice. So there's more, see, there's more to the sign of the baby wrapped in swaddling cloths lying in a manger. I want to show you today, I want to explain to you why this is a miraculous sign. See, the job of these shepherd priests was to raise those perfect lambs that we talked about so they could be sacrificed in the temple to cover the people's sins. To make sure that the lambs were in perfect condition, the female sheep, ewe, it's a really awkward, that's awkward to say, ewe, sheep, when they were ready to give birth, in this area surrounding Bethlehem, they wouldn't take them to a barn. Right? We, we, in our context, we understand that's where animals live. Animals live in barns. So when we see nativity scenes, it looks like a barn, like a makeshift barn. But surrounding Bethlehem, they had caves. And so they would, take the, they would take the sheep as she was ready to give birth, and they would take it into the cave. And the cave provided protection. In the summertime, it was cool in there, and in the wintertime, it was, it was warm. So it protected them from the elements. And they would give birth into these caves that were kept ritually pure, this was the only thing these caves were used for. And when the, when, the, when the lamb was born, what these shepherd priests would do is they would swaddle them. They would wrap them in cloths and they would swaddle the sheep. Because, see, lambs are clumsy. And so if this lamb was born in this cave and it's like stumbling around trying to get its, its legs underneath it and it injures itself, like it breaks a leg or like maybe slams against the side of the cave and is cut and now it's injured it can no longer be used as a sacrifice because it's now no longer perfect. It's got a blemish on it. And so the, the shepherd priests would, would wrap the lambs in swaddling cloths to keep them safe, to keep them perfect because they were born for a purpose. These lambs were born to die, to cover the sins of people. So these shepherds, not only had an angel encounter telling them that the long-awaited Messiah had come, but the sign that they would find that would identify him, that would mark him, was a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. It wasn't a strange sign at all. It really was a miraculous sign that pointed to the true purpose of Jesus. God in human flesh, right? We know one of the names of Jesus is Emmanuel. God with us. God left heaven to come to earth to us because we could not make our way back to heaven to where he was. So he came to us, Emmanuel, God with us, coming to the earth in human flesh to take away the sin of the world. These shepherds, after this angelic encounter, you can just picture them taking off and running towards the caves because they know that's where, these, where, 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 where Jesus is going to be. They arrive and they, they step inside the cave to see the sign exactly as the angel said. 
baby Jesus wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. These shepherds had seen this scene many, many times before, but it wasn't a baby. It was a lamb swaddled to protect it. Jesus was born to die. He came to offer his life as a sin sacrifice for all mankind. Not to cover the mistakes and put a band-aid on our sin and our failures, but to take them away. See, Christmas is celebrating the birth of Jesus. God coming to us as one of us, as a human being, this little baby born in a cave, wrapped in swaddling cloths, had come to save us because we cannot save ourselves. Jesus is the only one who ever has and ever will live a perfect life. He was perfect in every way. Like, I think if, you're, if you've been around church at all or grew up in church and you hear this, that Jesus was perfect, I think we just kind of gloss over that, that he didn't make any mistakes, right? Like, how, <laughs> I don't want to see a raising of hands, but, you know, like how many of us, like, failed on the way to church today? <laughs> like, we could give us about 20 minutes and, like, Jesus, yeah, I should not have said that, <laughs> right? Like, you have a hard time going... A day, let alone 20 minutes, let alone an entire lifetime. Jesus never lied. He never stole. He never deceived. He was never arrogant. There was never not a time when he didn't love somebody completely. He was absolutely perfect without any sin. He never not once missed the mark of what God requires, not even in his motives or in his thoughts, which if we're honest, those are the hardest things for us to rein in. I might do the right thing, but I'm doing it for all the wrong reasons, and it's still missing the mark. Never, not once did Jesus miss the mark. And he willingly gave his life for me and for you so that we could have our sin taken away Paul writes this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sins so that we could be made right with God. This is how we're made right with God. There is only one way. Jesus. He took on our mistakes. He took on all of our failures, all of our sins, so that we could take on his perfection and have relationship with God. It's this really incredible divine exchange where we are sinful. He is perfect. He takes on our sin, and we get to take on his perfection. This is what the sign of Christmas is pointing to. This is what Christmas is all about. This is the good news of great joy. Jesus has come to save us, to bring us back into relationship with God. See, God is not angry with us, as so many assume that he is. His love for us is so great that we cannot actually understand his love for us. John writes in chapter 3 of his book, For here is the way God loved the world. He gave his only, unique son as a gift so now everyone who believes in him will never perish, but experience everlasting life. God did not send Jesus to condemn us, but to save us, to rescue us. 
So no matter what situation you find yourself in today, listen, it doesn't matter how good you are, how good you think you are, you will never not find time in your life when you don't need the grace, mercy, love, and forgiveness of Jesus. It doesn't matter how bad you feel like you are. Maybe you're sitting here today and you're like, man, I am not a nice person. I am not a good person. It doesn't matter how bad you feel like you are, how much you feel like maybe you've messed up your life. Jesus came for you. It doesn't impact how he loves you. See, because you can never be good enough to be perfect. And like all the good things that I do in my life do not tip the scales in my favor. That's not how perfection works. You don't try and do as many good things as you can to, to outweigh the, the bad things. Perfect is perfect. Only Jesus can take away the times that I've really failed. I also can't be so bad that Jesus can't help me. Which is really, just think that through for a moment. That there is not a person on the planet, whoever was or ever will be, that is so bad, so evil, that Jesus cannot help them. Because Jesus specializes in saving and transforming lives. And it all starts by believing him. Not just believing in him. But believing him. See, there's a, there's, there's a world of difference in those two tiny letters, in. See, there's lots of people who believe in God, who believe in Jesus. But there's a huge difference between believing in Jesus and believing Jesus. See, believing in Jesus means I, I acknowledge Jesus exists. I acknowledge there is a God, right? That's, that's believing in. But when you believe Jesus, it means that you believe everything about him, who he was, and everything that he said. It changes how I live my life when I believe him. See, he, these are, this is one of the things that Jesus said in Matthew 16, 24. Anyone who intends to come with me has to let me lead. You're not in the driver's seat. I am. Don't run from suffering. Embrace it. Follow me and I'll show you how. Self-help is no help at all. Self-sacrifice is the way, my way to finding yourself, your true self. See, believing Jesus means that we follow him. He leads, he guides, and directs our lives. Not me. It means that I give up. I give up voluntarily my right to direct my own life. When I welcome him in and I say, Jesus, I want you to be my God. I want you to be the king of my life. I will do everything that you want me to do. And you put him as the king of your life. He guides, he drives, he leads, he directs. There's no way to help ourselves. I've tried it. I'm sure many of you have tried it. Tried to help yourself. Try to be a good person. And it's never gotten us what we really wanted or what we really needed. Even if you are a good person. Because really what we want... Really what we need is Jesus. We need him. We, we need him to see us and to know us, all of us, even the parts of us that we're embarrassed about, the parts of us that we don't want anyone to know about. He already knows. And he loves you. He fully knows you and sees you and we need him 
to forgive us so that we can have a relationship with God. Believing Jesus means we put him first always. Not just at Christmas and Easter, but every day. See, following Jesus is the only way to have a relationship with God. It's the only way to true, real happiness and fulfillment in life. I know that there is a, a lie in society that says there's many ways to God. There's not. Jesus said, I am the way, truth, and the life. And then he said, and no one comes to the Father, to God, but by me. There's not many ways. There is only one way. This is the Christmas sign. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger. This sign is showing us the way to real, true life, real, true happiness. It's showing us the way to have all the broken pieces of our lives picked up and put back together because it's only Jesus who can do it. It's showing us how to get back to God. And even if you don't recognize that longing in your heart, in, deep inside, we all have it, even if we don't understand it. We just want to be with him. I want you to close your eyes. If you're here today, listening to what I've been talking about, and you don't know Jesus like I've talked about, you've never asked him, to be your God, to be your king, where you serve him and live for him every day, not just on special holidays, but every day. And you're thinking to yourself, you know what? I need to change. I want that. I just want you to lift your hand and say, that's me, will you pray for me? Craig, will you pray for me? And we'll just wait for a moment, yeah, I see that hand. I see that hand, yeah, come on. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. Let me pray for you who raised your hands. Jesus, I pray that the very fullness of your presence begin to fill these people who said, yes, I wanna live for Jesus right now fill their hearts their spirits their souls with your presence with your love with your hope with all that you are thank you god that there's nothing that we can do to earn this we just receive it we believe and receive we believe and receive so i pray you wash them clean, purify, spotless, perfect in your sight. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>